Welcome to a very special Project I'm Speaking episode of Bull Spirals. Project I'm Speaking episodes are a series of interviews conducted with the intention of featuring brave and talented women who agreed to speak up about their creative process, about how they found their unique voices, and how they intend to use those gorgeous voices in the world now. Because we need this. All of us need this right now more than ever. So enjoy this time and this unique voice while you take in this episode of Project I'm Speaking. I'm Stacy Parrish. is a transgender stand-up comedian and actor. Her signature blend of disarming sass and charm and her irrepressible spirit have been featured in comedy festivals and multiple world-class comedy venues, including L.A. Pride, the Chicago Women's Funny Festival, and L.A.'s The Comedy Store. She's a HuffPost blogger, the founder of Lady Laughs Comedy, and Artemis Bow Productions. When we first sat down in October of 2022 in her Madison studio, I didn't know that we'd become the sisters in woo that we are today, sharing a podcast together called Luna Revolution. In this encore episode of Full Spirals, Dina speaks to her journey as a trans woman, a trans comedian, and a soul who's constantly evolving mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. She speaks in this episode to a mission that she had at the time to create a comedy tour of her home state of Texas to include talking circles, safe spaces, and advocacy for trans kids who don't feel safe, let alone seen. But Dina's activist path led her a little closer to home, to a bid for public office for Alder in Madison, Wisconsin. So, like, run, Dina, run. And yes, I will include a link to her campaign in the show notes. Please enjoy this encore presentation of Project I'm Speaking, featuring Dina Nina. So here we are. Here we are. And I, <laughs> I just want to take a moment to like just drink in your space. It's very pink and obnoxious. And I call it the womb of the mother of comedy. Oh my God. That's so perfect. <laughs> that's so perfect. With our Hall of Fame pictures of all the women comedians who came before. This is so bizarre to me that how weird that we have never met. I know, because it feels like we've known each other for so long, and we re- we haven't. No. And, and now I'm just reading the stuff that's on your walls, because I have my different glasses on. <laughs> we were just tight. We're the same age, and um, eyes deteriorating in slightly different increments, so I had to change my glasses, but... I'm getting it's further so, and further uh, along, I have to admit. <laughs> I looked up and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to increase by 0.5. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to thank you for taking the time to be with me today. And I can't wait to have this conversation with you. I am so grateful that you asked. Oftentimes, powerful women exclude or don't think about trans women. Mm. I'm trans, by the way. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that. <laughs> and so I'm grateful to be asked to the table. Mm, of course. 
Thank you. Yeah. I mean, as I start to cry already. How was this? Happy tears. That's good. (laughs) Obviously, that was included in the introduction Mm -hmm. because it's so much a part of your identity. And I wouldn't dream of not including it because it is such a part of your identity. But you're a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because there's like inside of me that imposter complex wears up every once in a while. And the social narrative over the last however long has been that we're hiding things. We're pretending to be someone we're not. Mm. And I have never felt more true to myself. Mm. And so I talk about it because I feel like it's important for me to show up in all aspects of who I am. Mm -hmm. Is it my primary? Like, I don't think about it every day like i'm Mm. i mean when i'm getting dressed it's i have more steps that than uh, cis women have to take but like when i move through the world i'm grateful enough that i have cis privilege and uh pretty privilege (laughs) you do have pretty privilege (laughs) but i and i say this on stage i i expected to become a hollywood big busted then high heel wearing, big hair, lots of makeup. Mm -hmm. And I've been that. And that's part of who I am sometimes, you know, but I'm, I was shocked when I just became like a, I look like a soccer mom, (laughs) a very cool soccer mom, but, (laughs) but a Midwest lady. And it's nice to just be a woman in the Midwest. Yeah. So you grew up in Texas. I did. Let's start there. Small town in Texas, north of Dallas, evangelical, Mm. like hardcore (laughs) didn't know that piece yeah uh i'm i'm going through a lot of like religious trauma and they call it these days deconstruction Mm. and uh i like that word all the time (laughs) Um, i like the word deconstruction i feel like it's appropriate Mm -hmm. um and i feel like i'm kind of even though i've not been evangelical for a long time I'm still like, this is what happens is when I was a kid and my family weren't around, I would panic that Jesus came back. Oh, no. And I missed it. And there are moments, especially when COVID happened, it was so bizarre because nobody was out, right? Yeah. Oh. And there was this thing. Did Jesus come? And I didn't know. Like, it's so bizarre. And I like, rationally, I know. Right. You know, but yeah. So I grew up evangelical. Um, I was in Texas for a good portion of my life. And then I finally ended up in LA. And I think it was the perfect time because I was away from my family. I could transition without the guilt, the extra layer of guilt Mm. of seeing my family all the time. Um, I was able to kind of delve into who I wanted to be. And I started comedy kind of around the same time I transitioned because I was a showgirl drag queen for a while. And it just, after I started transitioning, it didn't feel like who I was. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And one of my friends was like, Hey, you should do stand up," And I was like, um, I'm nervous. I feel like I'm situationally funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, he helped me create a set and I got on stage and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Mm. And comedy helped. Comedy saved my life Mm. and it helped me come to terms with who I am. And then, um, several years later, after my journey started, I ended up in Wisconsin. 
Do you remember your first set? Yeah. Can I did three minutes. Can you share some of the comedy that was part of it? I can't remember. Or just share anything about it. Like, I, okay. So my friends asked me to host their show, their comedy show. They mm-hmm. did a, the Queers of Comedy Christmas every year. It was <laughs> uh-huh. great. So I created the set and I had this long tight pencil skirt. It was so cute. <laughs> a men's shirt and these really badass boots. Right on. Um, and I felt really cute. Right. <laughs> and he's like, you've got five minutes. I'm like, okay. So I get on stage and I tell some jokes and people are laughing and I only did three minutes, <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun because I was able to like riff off of what the comic said in between. It was, it just felt so amazing. And I took a couple months to kind of get my courage up to start doing it again. And then I did. And then I started to find out who I was. Like mm. I, I'm self-deprecating, but it's a tool that I've used to become more comfortable with who I am. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like it saved my life. Yeah. Is there something about being witnessed? Yeah. And and at the beginning, that was like 15, 16 years ago. Like I, there weren't trans comedians, Mm -hmm. you know, there was one person, Ian Harvey and a couple people around the country, but in LA, like it was me and there was somebody who considered themselves a cross-dresser who later transitioned. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I was the only trans person mm. really actively in the trenches. And people were like, you could go on stage and not talk about being trans and just be a woman on stage. And I was like, that sounds tempting. But I was also like, nobody sees us mm-hmm. for anything other than an extra or a co-starring role on TV when you end up murdered or the narc or, Mm -hmm. you know, drug dealer, prostitute, all those things. That's all we were shown of who we are. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I feel like it's important to talk about who I am and the experiences I have and to normalize it because I hate my inner thighs. All women hate their inner thighs. You know, I have weight issues. Most women deal with weight issues. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like a place to be like, hey, I'm trans, but also... Yeah. The, you're you're talking about exactly what I was trying to articulate. Yeah. That, that piece where you're just like a cis woman, but you're also not. And that's why you need to say that part. Yeah. So that other trans people who aren't at the point you are can go, oh, holy shit. Yes. Look at her. That can be me. <laughs> It's safe to be. You can struggle with your weight and it's age a- ungracefully <laughs> and also struggle with economic insecurity because you're an entrepreneur. Congra- just like Dina. Congratulations, women. <laughs> it can suck for everyone. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. 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 And that's just, yeah. I love and it. And that's, that's the lady laughs comedy piece yeah. of it. Yeah. And that's the, that's the normalizing of people that aren't like you. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we're all humans and like, and it always comes back to, I'm just a human. Yes. Like, I'm just a person having a bodily experience like everybody else on this planet. I'm different, but I'm not different. Yeah. My experiences are different. Yeah. And that's, that's a piece that I wrote down, Dina. Um, <laughs> you said I wasn't born in the wrong body. I was, I was born for this journey. Yeah. That's not my exact quote, but. So how did you come to understand that? What was like that process like for I've you? I've always, I always felt like I was a woman or a girl. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I remember growing up and and I thought it was just because I was attracted to men. But it was so much more than that that I didn't realize. Like, crying every night, like, praying and bargaining with God to make mm. me a girl mm. and let me wake up. Nobody else has to know God, just you and I. Like, I don't, nobody else needs to know. Just make me a girl and we'll pretend like it all, you know? If you're that powerful and that great, you can either make me not gay or you can make me a girl. Like, yeah, because you grew up in this evangelical. Yeah, small town. Yeah, where God was. Go ahead. Everything. God was everything. And like, I prayed before I ate. I, you know, like, I. I ask God what I should eat. I ask God what I should do in mm. every situation, you yeah. know? So did your parent were your parents aware? They knew that I cried myself to sleep a lot. Mm. Yeah, and we we were talking before we sat down here about how they considered moving. Yeah. They thought about moving to Albuquerque, which I think would have been good because I as as I told you, it was a bigger school district. Like mm -hmm. Our town was 1,735 people for most of the time that I grew up, when I grew up there. But it was one of those things that I didn't fit. I never fit there. You know, like, it. it's so weird that I look back and I think, I grew up there. But what do you do as a queer kid in Texas? Like, do what you got to do to survive. So I retreated into television movies and acting and all yeah. those singing. So you went to L.A. and that's where you started to feel like you did fit. Yeah. And when I got to L.A., I just felt like I had the space mm -hmm. to my family were far away. My mom didn't have to see me every day and I could just be myself. Mm -hmm. And even though I thought about transitioning along a lot of times before, I felt like I had the space to transition. And that was before people were transitioning, really. I mean, people were transitioning. Have they, We've always been transitioning. But you didn't hear about us on TV. Yeah. And Wait, how, how many years ago was this? 2006, 2007 was okay. when everything. When I started to kind of go on the journey of both comedy and being a woman, you know. But comedy has been my constant companion through that transition. I felt like I had space to breathe and become who I was. And it was scary. But... And go, kind of going back to what you were saying, people seeing me, it was, I decided to go get estrogen for the first time and start the actual journey medically. And, um, and I was scared because you hear all these things, you know, everything's going to change. Your body will never be the same. Um, and I remember in the showgirl realm, seeing a lot of trans women who just got mean because of estrogen. And, and I think that was like over dramatized for each other, but there was a fear of that, you mm -hmm. know, like, am I going to become a raging bitch for lack of better words? Mm -hmm. But the opposite happened. Like I, I, so before that I was standing on this, on Fairfax and third outside of the farmer's market. And I was like, God, I hadn't talked to God in a very long time. And I was like, I'm nervous. I'm scared. Mm. What will happen? And I heard that still small voice, you know, whether it's an external God, whether it's my internal compass or my higher self or, or whatever, I don't care, but it gave me the answer I needed. Mm. And the answer was, if you don't do this, you're going to be miserable. And there'll, the, there'll be people who don't see your, your example. And the implication to me was felt like, Kids in the middle of the country would see me and not commit suicide because of it. Hmm. And I was like, fine, let's do it. Like, I want to be that person. And 
that was when I knew. And then the moment I was still scared, you know, but like about a week or two after my first estrogen shot, I was like, oh my God, I understand why I thought this way or felt this way. Like it makes so much sense in the broad scheme of my life Mm. that this is who I was. And I just didn't have the tools to become this person. Wow. Like I felt like it was me for Mm. the first time. Like I, I didn't have to hide. I was just me. Mm. That's amazing. It was incredible. It's amazing. And I I think it's so cool that you went back to that, that place from when you were little. Yeah. And you got the answer that you needed. That's beautiful. And I also had a memory or like a a moment with my dad, father's spirit that I, I was, I could smell like, so my dad smelled like, like sweat and Mm -hmm. jet fuel because he worked at the airlines forever. And I'm sitting in my apartment in one of the darkest places of my life, the most shameful, embarrassed, like in LA, like just feeling like, just feeling terrible. And I'm crying, bawling. And my dad, I could smell that sweat and, and jet fuel kind of smell that my dad smelled like. And, and I heard him say, I'm proud of you. And I'm like sitting here. I'm like, did you see me? I just walked home naked <laughs> in LA. <laughs> He was like, I'm proud of you. Mm. And he goes, your mom will understand at some point. She'll get it a little bit. You mm. know? I needed to hear that. I needed my dad to be there, even though he was not physically on the mm-hmm. side. And it was a pivotal moment. It was one of those and then moments, yeah. you know, and then everything changed. Oh, that's so cool. And it wasn't better right away, but I felt like I had permission for my father and my mom. She tries. She's not. She dead names me still, but Mm. I don't question her love for me. Yeah. So you transitioned and became a comedy queen all at the same time. (laughs) Accurate. (laughs) Yeah. I was because I was searching for places that felt good to me where I felt like I fit that was in accordance with who I was becoming and comedy felt like the right spot. Did you have the same feeling landing in comedy as you did landing in your female identity? Yes and no. Like, I think it felt more like because I knew who I was as a woman, I finally could. It was kind of like an accessory. It was like, I got Tiffany's, you know, I got Blue Box. (laughs) That's so great. But you know what I mean? Like, it felt like the right piece of of the puzzle for the right time. Yeah, and- I I feel like that was a stupid question now, but <laughs> it was not question. a stupid question at all. But I love your answer so much. <laughs> can you tell me more about your? You've got your Lady Laughs Comedy Festival shirt on. Can you tell me more about? Um, when I moved to Wisconsin, I was surprised to be welcome welcomed into women's spaces so readily. In LA, that it was hard hmm. to be included in those spaces. Now, that's not to say that I didn't have an amazing support network there mm-hmm. of comics, but but getting to the Midwest and being invited into all-female shows, I got accepted to Chicago Women's Funny Festival and did that every year forever. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I can just be a woman in the middle of the country. Like, how cool <laughs> is this? And I feel welcomed and there, there is something about all 
women prioritize spaces, not exclusive, exclusionary of men. There's something special about it when we come together and it's not a competition. We're not vying for resources within the space. We're just getting on stage doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I felt like we were able to let our guards down. And I just watched my first festival. I just watched everybody just chit chat and become friends. And it was so cool. And I was like, I want to do that where I live right now, Madison. Mm. Like I want to, I want to create this space where women are prioritized and, and there's not that external toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And it, I've been doing it ever since. That's like, cool. yeah, like I, I still include men, but you have to not be a jerk, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I love my girl gang of comics. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like women, we know how to circle up. We know how to circle when up. When we don't have the pressure to compete for resources. Yes. When, when we're just in a space where we can be ourselves and not ha- have that pressure, external mm-hmm. pressure, then we can really rally up with each other. And Yeah. Because I believe, like, all of humanity needs to empower each other and work with each other and respect each other because that's the only way we can keep this blue marble working and alive. And we're not doing that right now. Yeah. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about your set last night and where that might lead you? Oh, my gosh. So I was in, uh, Oak, uh, not Eau Claire, uh, Stevens Point, and I did a full hour of comedy, which I'm around 45 minutes usually when I don't have restraints. But like I went a full hour and I was like, yeah, I'm proud of that. I'm just tightening it up. And one of my friends in, uh, in Texas is a, a therapist. And so... We were talking about how hard it is on the transgender children and, and community and how targeted they get. And, and it just broke my heart. Like, you know, when your parent or guardians are actively commenting negatively on trans people, mm. the rate of suicide triples for those individuals. There's also bullying from the public. Uh, families are targeted. Children are targeted. Trans adults are targeted physical harm as well as like doxing and online bullying and it's just gotten so toxic and gross and i want to do a tour of texas Mm. to just let people know that you're not alone that we exist and just be a human you know so that's my kind of next goal is to get this one hour tour all over texas and really pair with um organizations in the communities Mm. and do day events to help let the trans kids feel included and do my set and then have a political talk back after like how do we fight this how do we rally around each other to protect each other how do we move forward as a as a society so another thing you mentioned earlier that we also talked about just as women it's definitely another societal issue is like imposter complex. So how do you define it? So I feel like it's um, showing up in a space that you're fully qualified. You are asked to be there. You are uh, respected and accepted, but feeling like you don't belong there. And I have that so often, Mm -hmm. like last night at the show, I've done comedy forever. Mm -hmm. Like, I've done comedy since Jesus was a boy, you know, like, <laughs> and I feel like sometimes, oh, my Texas is coming out. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I'm like, I don't deserve to be here. I, you know, I can't do an hour. 
I can do 30 minutes. I can't do an hour. Mm-hmm. I did an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I know, I knew that I could, but it was also like, are you going to embarrass yourself? Mm. You know, I also have simultaneously, there's a quote from Tina Fey and I'm not, I'm going to butcher it, but she's like, it's, it's like vacillating between egomania and complete, I'm utter shit constantly. Yeah. And that never has felt so real. Um, because I do vacillate between egomania. Like sometimes I'm so proud of myself. Sometimes I'm, I'm like, I'm a hundred percent that girl. I'm everything. I am everything. I'm goddess. I'm, I am the mother of the universe, you yeah. know? And other days it's like, uh, you know? <laughs> So you've already talked a bit about it, but can we talk a little bit more about the ways that your spirituality has evolved over the years from being the Episcopal kid to where you're at now? So we, you and I kind of talked a little bit about my pagan journey because yeah. As growing up, I always was interested in kind of that more esoteric stuff, but I, I couldn't, you know, we couldn't, but, no. but I knew that there was something more and this sounds really crazy, but I had this when I first found like, not necessarily witchcraft, but paganism, uh-huh. I guess, within a Wiccan kind of tradition. <laughs> I don't know why it's so embarrassing to talk about being Wiccan, especially now that everybody's witchy. <laughs> Um, so I, I went really hard into Wiccan and paganism for a while. And I loved that there was a tradition that was so rich that we didn't talk about that, mm. that was vilified and mm-hmm. like being in, especially in more of a Pentecostal charismatic evangelical church. Mm-hmm. Like we always had people that said that they were witches that came from a satanic witch cult. And I'm like, oh. I don't know those people. And it just kind of felt better for me. I, and I think I needed the polar opposite of evangelicalism when I was kind of trying to find out who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I've called myself, and this is one of my favorite things. I've called myself pagan costal. Like <laughs> I'm still kind of Pentecostal. Like I, I still speak in tongues. Like, it's my own private thing, but right I still on. speak in tongues. And um, I still believe that the laying on of hands and praying over people or energetically infusing with light and love is important. I feel like it's yeah. it's beautiful. And, and no matter what it does, it makes us feel better. And I'm in love with that. So now I pray to the mother. I do pray to Jesus sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, but most of the time I pray to the mother, mother of all, I need your help. Mother of all, thank you. Mother of all, what are we doing today? You know, yeah. like what's going to be surprising and exciting? Yeah. I'm excited for what I have in store, mother. Like, thank you. What a difference from please, God, I'm making this bargain with you. Please change me. Yeah. Now the prayer is... Mother of all, thank you. And you want to know what true Christianity is? It's loving people. Like, if you want to know God, love people. Mm. Do things for people. Mm. If you want to know yourself, love people. You know, I'm going to tell you this. I haven't told many people. And it's not like a virtue. Like, I don't want to be like virtue signaling. But I was like, how do I make people feel better on a day-to-day basis? I take post-it notes and write little messages. And if I feel like I remember or I feel like I need to give one to somebody, then I'll either stick it on a car or say, hey, I feel like I should give this to you. 
Nice. You know? And those are, that's just something that I feel like is a way to let people know we're all having really crappy days. We're all having really hard times. The planet right now, like, is hard. Like, it's not an easy time in existence, you know? So if the only way I can help myself and other people is to write a freaking post-it note and hand it to them, if that makes somebody's life just the smidgiest better, then that's what I'm here for. That's what it's about. How do we make people's lives a little bit better? Comedy makes people's lives a little bit better. It makes my life a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Makes my life a lot better. Yeah. Saved your life. Yeah. 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 That feels like a really good place to wind down. I love it. Spirals is produced by Boom Arts in Appleton, Wisconsin. Theme music by Helen Avakian. Production assistance by Jeff Ryan. Please remember to subscribe and review Full Spirals on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite listening platform. Till next time, take care. <laughs>